0: Love Talk Radio. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants!
1: Absorbing and yellow and porous is he?
0: SpongeBob
1: SquarePants! Oh, there, air breathers. SpongeBob SquarePants here. Oh, and Gary.
0: Fuck!
1: You are filling your ear holes with the Dennis Daniel Show! Yeah! SpongeBob
0: SquarePants!
2: the Jack and Jones Strutter Studio and beautiful CCM at the University of Cincinnati, it's the Dennis Daniels Show! Tonight's guest, voice actress Kelly Sheridan. And now, here is your host, he is the first ever recipient of the BearCast Radio Lifetime Achievement Award, Dennis
0: Daniels! Woo woo You know it! Oh baby!
2: Everyone, to BearcastRadio.com's greatest talk show segment, none other than the Dennis Daniels Show. I am your host. I'm the guy that if I was in funeral era Japan, they would probably burn me at the stake for heresy because I'm so crazy on the radio. And the first ever recipient of the Bearcast Radio Lifetime Achievement Award, Dennis Daniels. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all our fans and friends out there. We have got a great show planned for you today. And what better way to get into the Christmas season than an all-new dinner Neal show stocked in your stuffer? That sounded weird. Today on the show, we're going to cook up some low-calorie but high-tasting Christmas treats with Japanese chef Ukiyo Kwonji. We're going to show you guys how to get those pesky rat demons out of your chimney, so Santa can come down on Christmas Eve with funeral-era Demon Slayer Sango. Uh, you can join John Pokemon as he travels and explores the supernatural goings-on at Torrington Academy with local center agent Diana Lombard. And we're going to show you guys how you can save on your Christmas shopping by printing your own money with a local counterfeiter Greenback Jane. All this and so much more going on today's Dennis Daniel show But before that, we've got to kick it over to some promotional consideration. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hi, I'm radio personality Dennis Daniel, and like many of you, I'm tired of looking at great food on television only to get something that was put together in five seconds with no attention to detail and a lack of excitement and zing. That was until I discovered Ukio Kuonji's Okanami Restaurant. There, head chef and proprietor Ukio Kuonji, will make you a gorgeous looking meal right in front of your own eyes. Of course, the food is only the second most beautiful thing in the restaurant. Ukio Okanami Restaurant. Remember, when you want beautiful girls cooking beautiful meals, just remember the girl that wields the 7 foot spatula. Ukio Kuonji's Okanami Restaurant. Home of the original Japanese pizza.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Y- y- yes, boss. What, 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 what do you mean we're not doing any of those things on the show today? We're not? Oh, oh! why didn't you say that earlier? Okay, thanks, boss. Uh, some sad news, my friends. My uh, boss says we're not going to be doing any of those things that I said before our commercial break. Apparently I misunderstood and I got that cross up with the fact that tonight on the Dennis Daniels show we have got none other than voice actress Kelly Sheridan. For those who do not know, Kelly Sheridan is the voice of the feudal era demon slayer Sango in the hit anime Inuyasha, a feudal fairy tale. She plays the food cooking, yum yum looking Ukio Kuonji in the classic Ranma one half. And of course, Diana Lombard in the classic cartoon, Martin Mystery. When well, I liked Martin Mystery. That was a good show. That was actually one of the good shows. It was made by Marathon, and those are the guys responsible for Totally Spies. And that was a pretty good show, too. Though they never aired on Cartoon Network. They put it on Nicktoons, like, at 3 in the morning on Friday mornings. And I don't know why they did that. That was kind of stupid. That was stupid. But anywho... We've got big things going on here on the Dennis Daniel Show. Coming soon, a very merry Dennis Daniel Christmas, our first ever Christmas special. And you are not going to want to miss a single moment of that. Some familiar voices are coming back to spend the holidays with us. So you know it's going to be great. And speaking of, guess who has a credit in the all-new live-action Sailor Moon independent film? That's right, yours truly. And yes, I am serious, bro. I play the important role of guy that gives money to help make the movie come to life. It's a lot better than Megami's role. She came out of a school and got eaten, so I think I'm doing a little bit better than she is right now. Hopefully if they uh, make a sequel, I will be the liberal radio host that says the Sailor Scouts are no good in causing all the destruction in the city. Yeah, I'll be like like Rush Limbaugh talking about the Sailor Scouts and the destruction of a fair city of Tokyo. Something like that. It might happen. If you guys tell her that you want to see me as the evil liberal radio personality, we will make it happen. We will make it happen. I hope you guys appreciated my little intro there, giving a shout-out to my Borowski internet champion, Zack Ryder. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. But let's get right back to Kelly Sheridan. Kelly Sheridan is possibly... One of the most phenomenal voice actresses I have seen in a long time. Aside from doing, you know, Sango and Ukyo, she's also been Barbie in several of the popular 3D Barbie movies. And if you know our show, we had Arnie Roth, the conductor from the Barbie movies, on earlier in July. And he went on to, of course, conduct a Disney world concert. Awesome. We had a contest for that. Oh, and speaking of, for all you cosplayers out there, we are giving away the new Hitalia Axis Powers DVD movie, Paint It White. All you got to do is head over to com and click on Contests, and you can find out how to enter our Hitalia Cosplay Contest. Now, Kelly Sheridan, I could go off on all these roles she's done, but in all honesty, that wouldn't do her any justice. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to play you guys a demo reel I put together of some of her more important roles. So let's take a look at what makes Kelly Sheridan so freaking great. I can't stop thinking about what those pixies said,
1: Bibble. I mean, Topaz can't really be kidnapped.
0: She's too powerful.
1: I mean, she's a guardian. Right? Bibble? Uh... <laughs> at least one of us will get a good night's sleep. lullaby. Peony, you always know just what to do. Those men are from the Nouveau Laredo Cartel. They're a branch of the Girolamo Familia based out of Florida. I was hired by the cartel to fabricate old bills that are out of circulation. My counterfeit bill design team is scattered all over the world, but thanks to the internet, that's never been a problem. I'm the team's chief organizer. The leader, if you will. So, what did you screw up to end up being chased by them? Nothing. We didn't screw up. The problem was that they were ignorant Neanderthals. They lacked patience. To be clear, the only reason I accepted this job in the first place is because I was told I'd be able to make perfect counterfeit money. I'll be the first to admit I was shocked by the Super Z bills. The paper it produced was absolutely perfect, especially the composition percentage. The ratio of cotton to linen fiber is controlled at exactly 76.8 to 23.2. (laughs) And yes, there are some people who say that you can produce product in a laser printer, but that's unforgivably amateur in my opinion. Compared to that, these guys seem quite professional. They had a Swiss-made printing press specifically for this job. Oh, I'd do anything to get my hands on one of those, but they're monitored so closely, it's next to impossible to do it.
0: Excuse me, but what are you two doing? Uh, ooh, ooh, I know this. Uh, studying? Wrong! You're breaking every library rule ever created! Now, I know you're just a goody two shoes die, but you should really take a chill pill. I am not a goody two shoes. I just have a healthy respect for authority, that's all. Oh, yeah? Let's just see about that. I'm gonna put this book back, and I'm not even gonna look where. (laughs) <laughs> right.
1: I'll show you two just how bad I can be. Well, hello. Welcome to Okyo's Nami, Ranma, honey.
2: Oh, man, am I
0: starving.
2: Hey, you got anything good to eat?
0: Sure do. This is great.
1: Is it really? Have you ever thought about getting away from it all? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to go somewhere quiet with no crowds, no noise, no traffic? Yeah, we can do some training.
0: Ukyo, can I...
1: Can you what?
0: Can I please have a second helping?
1: Ah! I will not die. I will not die until I kill Inuyasha. Hmm, Good. But are you in any condition to fight a decent battle? Playing demons is my sole duty in life. I am your opponent, not him.
0: If you keep interfering
2: like this, I'm going to have to take care of you.
1: Just try it. Maybe my defenseless village was quick for you to slaughter, but I won't die so easily.
2: So as you can see, Kelly Sheridan has got quite a reputation for voices. You know, kind of like how I have the voices in my head. They counsel me, they understand, they talk to me. And that is a Randy Orton joke, if anyone gets that. But... I, I'm ready. I am stoked for this. I am, you know, cracking all the muscles, cracking the joints, getting ready. Because, ladies and gentlemen, right now it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. My guest tonight is possibly one of the best-known voice actresses in the history of anime. She's best known as Sango from Inuyasha. She also was Ukiyo Kuonji in Rama Half, a true classic. Because where else in anime are you going to see a girl with, like, a seven-foot spatula? If I saw someone... Carrying a spatula the same size as Andre the Giant, I think I'd be running. I'd run because getting smacked by that. <laughs> I heard of flipping off someone, but oh, that's taking it too far. And she's also known as Barbie in several of the popular Barbie movies. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you the one, the only, Miss Kelly Sheridan. <laughs> It's the magic of radio magic. <laughs> uh, but um, but I gotta say, this is truly a huge honor, and I thank you for doing this with us. I gotta tell you, in high school, Inuyasha was one of the first anime I could really get into. I had to I had to have a friend record it for me because I didn't have a VCR back then, and it was just it was so cool. I actually think I started getting into Inuyasha when Sango was introduced.
1: Oh, that's awesome. You know, it's a lot of people say the same thing that Inuyash was kind of their first the first anime that they really got invested in, which is very flattering, you know, because we worked pretty hard on it and we did a lot of them. But uh, it's, and there's still fans that are discovering it now, which is great.
2: I mean, with all the DVD releases that are out, I mean, there are a lot of DVDs. I mean, there are box sets, there are yeah. DVDs, there are four movies. And I, I mean, I think the, the best one of the bunch is either Beyond the Looking Glass or or Affections Touching Across Time. Of course, the first two.
1: Well, we spent hundreds of hours recording that show. I mean, I, and that was just me alone. I can't imagine they must have spent thousands recording everybody. Uh, so yeah but, it's, you, yeah.
2: but you worked with such a great cast. I mean, Richard Ian Cox, Kirby Morrow... David
1: Kay yeah they're okay no I'm kidding oh. <laughs> I know they're fantastic right You can't, uh, I think every voice actor in Vancouver was on that show at one point or another so
2: uh, a, the cast party was really fun when we finished. <laughs> oh, I, 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 of I wasn't there, though, and that's Scott McNeil, because Koga was never in any of the movies. Aww. Aww. Oh, I, I, I made some Koga fans upset. Too soon! <laughs> hey, he's a stinking wolf. I'm a, Poor
1: Koga.
2: Uh, Koga, why you know in an any Inuyasha movie?
1: <laughs> I'm sure Scott would have done it if they'd written one in, for sure. You know, he... Uh,
2: He's game. Oh, I, I, he's game for anything, I've, I, I, as I've heard. I mean, I've seen, I've seen. You guys don't just do a whole bunch of. I mean, you guys have done uh, like a whole bunch of different shows, and it's it's amazing. But we'll get more into that a little later on in the interview. Um, what got you interested in voice acting?
1: Well, uh, like most people in voice acting, I kind of fell into it by accident. <laughs> I think that's kind of a common thread for any voice actor you, you talk to, because when I started, which was back in the early nineties. Not a lot of people thought of it as a career. You just, you know, cartoons got made, and you didn't really think about how they got made. Most people. So I was a kid, and I I had an agent because I was really into theater and performing, and and uh, my agent would send me out on various auditions, mostly for film and TV stuff. But one day I had a voiceover audition, and you know by went to the audition and i thought hey this is fun i don't have to dress up which you usually do for film and tv auditions it was in this little sound studio so that was kind of neat and all the people were really nice and and laid back i thought yeah i can i can get used to this this seems pretty fun so i was a kid really
2: sounds like the real deal lucille (laughs) Yeah, um, for those who are wondering, for those you know maybe out there wanting to uh, get their start in voice acting, there is a, a website VoicesForAll.com. dot I, com. I, I went to one of their uh, classes this past Monday at UC, and I want to make sure that everyone knows that there is a a place that you can go. They do offer beginner and master class level classes for those who want to may pursue a career in voice acting or
0: voiceover.
1: Oh, that's cool! Awesome, yeah, and there are places like that all over the country in Canada also. Um, lots of, uh, lots of people that have, you know, are voiceover professionals teaching classes and, and I'd say any kind of training you can get as an actor is, is beneficial. Just anything that's going to make you more comfortable performing and, and teach you a few tricks.
2: Yeah. BearCastRadio.com. This is the Dennis Daniels Show. We have got Kelly Sheridan on the air. Now, do you have any kind of professional educational background in voice acting?
1: Not in voice acting, but I do have a theater degree, which I think is probably the best training I could have gotten for to be a voiceover actor. I don't think there's really any, prof- uh, not that I know of, I don't think there's a professional degree in voice acting, um, but a lot of people got their start in radio or, you know, I had a four-year theater degree, which, and theater's great because it's very similar to voiceover in the way that you play a bunch of different characters. It's a lot more flexible than filming TV is, and... And, you know, you work on your voice a lot in theater school. And and when you're in the studio, you have to project. You have to be kind of larger than life, which is a very theatrical kind of thing. So there are a lot of people, um, a lot of voiceover actors who have theater training.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we said people are starting radio, and, uh, hey, I guess I'm in the right place.
1: Exactly, yeah. A lot of people start in radio. Um, the guys that have been around for a while, Terry Clason and Mike Donovan, and a whole bunch of those guys did radio. Uh, David Kaye did radio. It's a great way to start. You get comfortable in front of a mic, and and I'm sure you know. You just get used to putting it out there, which is what you have to do when you're a voiceover actor. Yeah,
2: putting it out there every day. That's what I do.
1: Yeah, yeah. jump to the edge of the cliff and leap off and leap of faith.
2: Now, uh, how do you prepare for an audition for a, a role?
1: Well, it depends on the part, but usually um, I'll get the, what they call them sides, which is a, a scene or two from the script uh, that the producer sends you, and I'll pre- I prepare for it like I would a theater audition or any other audition. I figure out, uh, hopefully there's some kind of backstory um, provided also, so I figure out who the character is and, and what they want, and how they get what they want and you know all of that just ends up being manifesting vocally rather than physically and vocally like you would do for a theater audition and I, I have all this weird system of of a way that I mark up my script of where I want to take pauses and breaths and if I want to accelerate pace or you know I'm kind of clinical that way I tend to notate a script like a like a music sheet kind of and then I just go in and give it my all and oftentimes you're given direction or an adjustment in in an audition so a lot of it's kind of weighing it also a lot of it is just um being able to change it at a on a dime if the director wants you to in the audition they frequently do because i think more so they just want to see if you can if you can take direction because they're they're looking for that as well when they're casting
2: yeah because you got to do with the boss man tells you get the boss man dime boss man time
1: that's right. I've been known to argue back once or twice when I think that a different choice should be made and it's supported by the script. But for the most part, the director's got an idea of how the whole show's supposed to sound. And they're the one who's, talk- who's talking to the producers and the clients. So they have a whole different perspective that that eyes an actor, don't. So, um, so yeah, it's um, – once in a while it gets heated. Like, no, I should be saying it this way because it says it in the script. Dismissed. so uh, I've been I've been known to win a few and, and lose a few. <laughs>
2: well, what is what your ratio? What is your uh, win loss record? Is well more losses than wins, or more wins than losses? Mm,
1: I think I'm probably about fifty fifty right now.
2: Yeah. Neither winning, yeah. neither losing. Just in. That's in right. You mind. got
1: to inject some charm into those arguments, or so you end up as like the snotty actor. So it's it's like a it's a fine line. You've got to finesse the director sometimes over to your point of view.
2: Yeah, you want to finesse it, but you don't want to come off as a giant douche.
1: Right. <laughs> Correct. Essentially. Yep. We, we, stop, we stop getting work, too, which ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
2: we've talked to some of our our previous guests, like Wendy Lee and Kristen Freeman, and they've been talking about having to get a second job to support themselves while they're doing their voice acting. Have you had to get a
1: second right. job? Uh, No, I've been doing exclusively voiceover for... Probably about six years now. And prior to that, I taught at a youth theater while I was doing voiceover. Um, It's been several years since I've had any other job than this one. I don't say I'd necessarily need to get another job, but it might be fun to get one just uh, because I like keeping busy. So I do a lot of theater as well, I guess you could consider that a second job. But I've been really lucky. I I worked a lot as a kid, and then I took a break for about four years when I went to theater school, and I worked in a restaurant, and I worked at a youth theater. And then coming out of school, I was lucky enough just to start getting work again. So uh, it's awful. I'm really spoiled saying it, but I'm one of the few, I think, who's been able to – I'm very lucky few who's been able to just make a living just doing voiceover stuff. There's enough of it in Vancouver um, that I've been really fortunate.
2: Yeah, we're seeing a, a shift of um, where all the voicing is gone because when we talked with Veronica Taylor in our last interview, a lot of the voice acting was shifting from areas like New York to places like L.A. and Texas, you know, where the, the big companies are. Like, for example, Funimation is in Texas, and you've got yeah. and Zoom over in California. And But, but it, it's cool that there is some work up in the great white north.
1: There is, and actually, Toronto has a big voiceover scene too. So Vancouver and Toronto do really well, and and then are, there are other major cities in Canada that have a smaller voiceover industry. But still, there's something going on. You know, people doing radio commercials, or the odd anime show, or in Quebec, there's some French shows going on. So, so we've got uh, we're holding our own up here in Snowland.
2: Yeah, and that's what that's all about, boot, eh? That's right. This Don't year was 2000, oh, hey. I like Canada. They gave us Bret Hart. They're fine.
1: You joke, but we're often policed about our Canadian accents. Every, every Canadian voice actor has developed uh, all the tricks to sound American. Um, so we've got to watch our... Outs and abouts, our house and nows are are any kind of O sound, like Canadians say sorry or dollar instead of sorry and dollar, like you do in the states. So, yep, we're we're often very vigilant about trying to sound American, cause producers.
2: Yeah, and want now, it, to it sound that way. And down here in the Americas, you've got people trying to sound Canadian, like all that episode <laughs> sort a of Family Guy where they had a Canadian Alcatraz, and the guy goes, "Can I go for a swim?" And the cop goes, "Yeah, back for dinner, okay?" <laughs> uh, it's,
1: it's like it's I knew, more- you like to think, "Oh, we don't talk like that up here." And then you actually listen to people and go, "I mean, it's not that extreme." Obviously, that's a caricature, but yeah, we kind of do talk like that. <laughs> we kind of do.
2: Is it true that summer doesn't last longer than a week up in Canada?
1: Well, I live in Vancouver, which has the same kind of um same kind of climate as Seattle. So, it rarely snows here. It maybe snows here once or twice a year if I'm lucky. Like today is a gorgeous sunny day. I was out in a in a like a sweater and a vest, like a puffy vest, and it, there's snow on the mountains, but those are far away. It was just like a gorgeous, sunny, beautiful day. Um, and we have amazing summers here. So, so it depends where in Van, where in Canada you are. But Vancouver's super temperate. It's uh, it, we have amazing summers.
2: Must be very nice up in Vancouver. I mean, I'd rather have Vancouver than right here in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> take a look at the weather. What's the weather like? It's cold as hell. Back yeah. to you. <laughs> it's 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 like it's like. Bridget, it's like you walk outside, you turn into a snowman.
1: I mean, it's yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that. We don't get that here in Vancouver. It's um very temperate.
2: Yeah, it's like it's not too hot, but it's not too cold. It's just right. It's like the uh, it's like the Goldilocks of weather.
1: It's pretty great. It rains a lot, so you have to like the rain if you live here. But uh, but I don't mind it. I mean, I grew up here, so I'm I'm used to it. Yeah, rain my... knocks me out got my gum boots and my umbrella yeah you, you just got to go out in it that's the that's the trick people try to stay in, indoors when it rains but in vancouver you end up doing that nine months out of the year so you got to just go out and be willing to like get kind of wet <laughs> that's
2: all. Uh, well i i work i work at a grocery store and last week it poured cats and dogs and rain and snow so i do know a thing about going out in the rain for extended periods of it. so
1: yeah it's not glorious
2: your... but it gets the job done
1: you got your rain boots and your fisher- fisherman's hat,
2: and uh, you gear up and get out there. Well, uh, well I don't – I have a heavy coat. I mean, I, I used to wear, like, like a red-green hat, but that, but I couldn't put my hood over it, so.
1: Yeah, those are very waterproof. They're warm, which is good. You probably need that in Cincinnati.
2: Oh, yeah, just – oh, and winters are just right around the corner, Kelly, so you know, everyone's going to be bundling up like, like Stay puff Marshmallow men walking around. <laughs> It's going to be like The Christmas story Where they throw Snibbles at the kid and the big puffy coat And he falls over And he can't get up Right And can't get
1: back up again Yeah I'll stick with my reign Here in Vancouver
2: <laughs> BearCastRadio.com This is the Daniel's show. We've got voice actress Kelly Sheridan on the air Now We're coming from The University of Cincinnati At the College Conservatory of Music So there are a lot of theater majors, music majors, vocal majors. Do you have any experience or advice that you can give aspiring VAs so that they can pursue a career in the voice acting industry?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I have tons of advice. I'll have I'll try to condense it, but no, no, they're they're already <laughs> they're already in the, in, in the great, in the right in the right place. They're they're getting training, they're going to theater school, they're they're going to music school, they're working on their voices, which is like the thing you have to do first before anything else. So that's great. They're already way ahead of the game than a lot of people who want to get into voiceover. Uh unfortunately, I don't think Cincinnati has a huge voiceover industry, so they do need to live somewhere where there's where there are voiceovers being recorded, and that means in the states, that means L. A., New York, Texas. In Canada, it means Vancouver and Toronto. So it's really hard to get the work if you don't live in a city that does it. There are a lot of online agencies, and they do some stuff, but the, the caliber of work isn't as great. And it's a great place to start, you know. But if you re- if you want to be in cartoons or in anime, you need to live in in one of those cities I mentioned. So they got to move. <laughs> That's another piece of advice. <laughs> And and then they need an agent, and they just need to start pounding the pavement. I think a lot of people, um, I, knew, I meet a lot of people with great voices, and they're good actors. They can do a lot of great characters, and they expect it to just, like, once they get an agent, they expect it to just happen. But I think a lot of people don't realize you kind of have to pay your dues for a few years, for two to five years, I'd say, before maybe you even get a job. You know, you've got to get an agent first, then you've got to get them to see you for auditions, and then you've got to land the audition. Um, so tenacity definitely definitely is a factor. Um, there's a fantastic podcast. I don't know if if you've had Trevor Duvall on your show, but he's a Vancouver actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. And he has this amazing podcast uh, where he interviews voiceover actors. And there's a segment in every podcast where he asks them for advice for prospective voiceover actors, you know, what? You know, if they could give people advice, what would it be? So I highly recommend that as a listen because people talk about how they got into voiceover, what it's like in the studio, um, advice for people going into it and answer questions. It's, it's a phenomenal resource and really funny, like a really funny, great show for people who, who want to know what it's like.
2: Sounds like Trevor's
1: cutting in on my turf. You should have him on the show. You guys could duke it out. All right.
2: What's his last name
1: again? <laughs> What's his last name? Trevor Duvall, D-E-V-A-L-L. It's com is Trevor his uh, show. Yeah, and it's a podcast on iTunes, so you can download it on iTunes, and and um, they can download your show, and they can download his show. They, well, they should download it
2: It's just it's awesome.
1: <laughs> they could get a 24 hours a day voiceover awesomeness constantly in their headphones.
2: Well, who who would want to to listen to Trevor Duvall? I mean, I'm I'm looking at his uh his list right now, and wow, he's got some, oh, wow, oh wow, he's gonna have David K on the show, and 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 James yeah. Taylor, and oh, and Kyle yeah. Aber, and uh and uh, wait wait, what, what's this? Kelly Sheridan.
1: <laughs> I might have been on the show, yes. I I think I was his first female guest, and I made it out alive, so yeah. that's my claim to fame.
2: Oh, well, well, maybe maybe your second one. The first one, us. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I'm being terrible. I'm sorry. Now, what was um uh, one of your first roles, if you remember? Do you remember by chance one of your first early roles?
1: I do. I remember my very first. It was a guest spot on this show called um, Captain Zed and the Z Zone. I think that's what it was. Or Captain, yeah, I think that's what it was. Captain Zed in the Dream Team or Captain Zed in the Z Zone. And I actually landed that part while I was auditioning for something else. I was in the studio and I auditioned for this part, and um, the director for Captain Zed, Paul Quinn, I think it was, was walking by in the hallway and heard me and said, Oh, we need a young teenage girl for our show tomorrow. She sounds good, <laughs> let's bring her in, so I didn't get the part that I was there auditioning for, but I got a part on this other show, and It's just a one day thing, but it was so fun um and that was what kind of kick started it. I was lucky enough to be one of the only young women in Vancouver who was doing voiceovers at that time just when it was starting to really get going in Vancouver, so I got it in the ground floor, and that's really kind of a, you know above the curve, and that that got me. That got me in the door.
0: You know,
2: sounds like you had a pretty interesting uh, start into voice acting, and of course, that would pave the road for such many classic characters, and that leads us into our next question. One of your earlier roles, and a personal favorite of mine, was Ukio Kuonji from Ranma One Half. How did you audition for that role, and how did you um, you know, develop her character?
1: Well, I'd never heard of Ranma when I went in. Um, that was in 1994, so... Like you know, pre-internet, and uh, I, I prepared for it. From what I remember, I prepared for it like I did anything else. I they had a little breakdown. They had a picture of her, and and I figured out right away. Okay, she's she's like really romantic and girly, but she's got this massive spatula that she beats people with. So she's also got to be kind of feisty. And I just kind of went in with a read like that. And I guess uh, I guess it paid off. Um, and I had no idea at the time how insanely popular it was. It wasn't until I landed the show and I went in for the first record that um, Toshi, Toshi Yoshida was there. He was the script super, script consultant on that show and on Inuyasha, actually. So I've known him for almost 20 years. And he said, you have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> this show, you're going to hear from fans after this show. And I sure did. It was. Uh, I had no idea. What I was in for, and how how popular the show was. So, luckily, I didn't know because there would have been way too much pressure. I found I found that out later.
2: So, all right. Now let me see if I can if I can if I can try to sum up Rama One half in a few few choice words. Martial arts, <laughs> yeah. Gender switching. Yeah. Turns into a pig. Chinese yes. Amazons. Uh, yes. Ice skating. Uh, of course, a j- Japanese cook with a giant pooler. Yeah. Uh, Oh, boy. What else? Uh, People named after hair products. People named after hair products. That's what really got me because you have shampoo, who is, by the way, hot. You have Mm -hmm. mousse, of course. Well, of course, mousse. Uh, And uh, wasn't there, like, conditioner?
1: Was, was there a conditioner? I don't... <laughs> I don't think there was a conditioner, not that I remember. But, but that was um, that was about fifteen years ago. So there might have been a conditioner. I I don't think so. I only remember shampoo and Moose.
2: Shampoo and Moose. and uh, who I, I think guess... were
1: Kathy Westlock and Brad Swale, Was that who played them? Kathy, yeah.
2: Kathy Westlock. We're actually in talk with her to have her on the show in the near future. So
1: oh, she's fantastic. Oh, that that'll
2: be. I I have a I have a bit of a I have a bit of a crush on shampoo.
1: Oh, you should get
2: her to do do and, her shampoo voice. I know, well, well, I know, but I, I, I still have a thing for Ukio. don't worry. <laughs>
1: Ukyo,
2: don't, Good, because if you don't, I'll beat you with my spatula. Don't beat me with a spatula, Ukio, <laughs> I, I made you a commercial. I gave you some promotional <laughs> product placement. You can't buy that. But I'm going to tell you this, Ukio. I'll tell you what. Ryoka, this is zero, get with a hero. Dennis Daniel, always treat you nice. Got the class, predictive devastation of the all-taste nation, and I'm not a picky eater. Oh,
1: wow. You get, I'm in. in. All right,
2: all right, woo! <laughs> all right,
1: sweet. Now, now I
2: mean, what was it like working on Ranma? I mean, you also, of course, did the anime and the several OVAs like Me How My Concubine. And what do you think of the of the uh, love hate relationship that was going on with Ranma and Akane and and Shampoo and Kodachi? And it,
1: it, it just seems well that like much first of all ron was a lucky guy you got you got to tell that i never i never knew why he didn't just take everyone up on their offers because you know he's gotta be nuts but but uh it that's kind of stuff is so much fun to play as an actor it's so much fun to play that silly campy you know once in a while it would hit that serious note which was which kind of grounded the show but it was just ridiculous it was just funny funny hijinks and that's that's always fun to play as an actor. You never knew what you were getting, you know, what you were getting into. Because we'd read the scripts, of course. We have no idea what the show looks like until you're going in and recording it in the moment. So there'd always be the gratuitous boob shot, and <coughs> you're just in for wacky times in the studio. It was a blast to work on that show, and I think I was on it for about ten years. That was a quite a long haul of uh, of because There were so many episodes.
2: Yeah, I believe there were, there were well over 100 episodes of Ranma, of course. And I'm just saying, let me see if I can uh, pull up the uh, list. I mean, I was actually watching the, uh, the cook-off episode today where Ukio' Shampoo, Akane, and Kadachi are all cooking off to try to win Rama as a fiancé. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it, it uh-huh. ends up with all the guys just, you know, laying the smack down to Ranma, so there is no definitive winner. Right. But I don't know, I mean, ugh, wow, I mean, they all offered something, well, except for Akane, she made tofu, which is like, <laughs> like if that's your
1: A game? <laughs> that's hard to, hard to we can't up. all be ukiyos. Have you actually had okonomiyaki? It's delicious.
2: No, I have not, but I, I would actually like to try that Japanese pizza, so that, that, sounds, that sounds
1: great. It's fantastic. The first time I had it was in Japan. Um, the people I, re- I was with took me out for Okonomiyaki, and it's so good. I've had it quite a few times since. It's, re- it's not really like pota- um, like pizza. It's more like an omelet. It's more like a potato kind of omelet delicious concoction with Japanese mayo and fish flakes. It's so good. you got to try it.
2: I will. Uh, oh, and for those who are wondering, Ramone One have had 161 episodes, two feature films, and 13 OVAs.
1: It's all a haze, Dennis. But it's, <laughs> it's all a I know.
2: But it's still such a kick-ass show.
1: Yeah, that was a fun one.
2: I bet you go to a lot of conventions. I bet you see a whole bunch of Ukyo cosplayers.
1: You know, I don't. Uh, I've only been to a few uh, to a few conventions because I'm usually working when when they're happening, or you know, I just don't get out too many. But um, the couple that I've been to were more recent, and I I ended up seeing way more Sango costumes than Yukio costumes, and and those are phenomenal because they've got the armor on, and they've got the hirai coats on the back. They're just, like, really cute. There's a 12-year-old girl who came by, and I signed stuff, and her parents didn't really know what in was. They said, we just knew that we had to get her here to meet you, and she had to wear this outfit, but can you tell us what the show is? And she's like, Sango! Oh, yeah,
2: so parents, have you got a couple hours?
1: Exactly, I said that's a loaded question. You might just want to watch it with her. Uh, that might be easier than me trying to describe it because well, there's know, a if lot.
2: You, if you get the parents to watch it with them, then they might say no because let, there were a lot of there were a lot of new channels.
1: Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. I wonder if they took those out for some of the. Um, I know they're in the box sets, but I think they did an edited version for TV. They did here anyway. They aired them on YTV, which is I think stands for youth television here in in Canada.
2: Yes, I, I well, I don't know. All I know is that on the adult Adult Swim, which is where Iniasha first aired, it was they. I mean, the only really nudity I saw was when they were in the hot springs and they, mm-hmm. they, and they were telling the story how Sango got that nasty scar on her back. Right, and that was that. Sango's kind of, story was actually very, very sad.
1: It, it was. I mean, she loses her entire family, and um, I was I always felt a real kinship to Sango because I have a younger brother, and I'm very protective over him. So all of the Kohaku scenes were always really um, close to heart because I imagine my own brother in that situation. She's always looking for him, and when she finds him, he's not. Who she remembers him being, and that's the big tragedy. She loves him anyway, and it, you know she can kind of never get him back. So, so, so she, she's a tragic heroine. And even then, they are able to inject all this comedy into Anyasha, which is something that's really cool about it. Is it? It's able to do both of those things.
2: Yes, yeah, yes. Oh, 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 yes. But you could use that 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 bond with your brother, you know, to fuel your performance. As Sanga looking for her brother. It's perfect. Yes. It's very method. <laughs> method to madness, of course.
1: Yeah. Luckily, my brother was never killed by demons, so um, he's still around, which yeah. is
2: good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that Teweather N'Raku man, that damn creepy. <laughs> yeah, just,
1: he's creepy. He's like, he's like
2: the cockroach of anime evil. You squash him, and he still comes back from behind the wall. Yeah,
1: indestructible.
2: God, I don't know. I don't trust a guy walking around with a baboon pelt on. That just ain't right. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's the mode. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, like you were saying, you know, you were best known as Sango from Inuyasha. What's it like to play here Besides, you know, being the whole brotherly thing, is it cool to play a kick-ass demon slayer?
1: Of course it is. What do you think? It's the best. Uh, you know, and that character has everything. She's got the romance, which often gets turned on its head and turns into you know, some weird comedic thing. We've got these massive fight sequences. Um, she's just, goes amazing. I kind of want to be her. You know, she's uh, she's Rumiko has this great way of writing female characters that are sensitive and 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 girlish, but they're still kick-ass fighters you know when they're still they stand up for themselves she's a great part to play uh, and I actually rolled into inuyasha pretty much right after rama finished and we had about six months or a year and and i remember koshi called me and saying i've got another one for you she's got a massive weapon as well it's right up your alley <laughs> and i went right into recording that so so working on rama
2: did kind of open the door for to work on inuyasha
1: yeah it was the same script consultant for Viz that worked on that show and and we recorded that at ocean as well and i i he never said so, but I kind of think he had me pegged for that part from the beginning, probably just from playing Ukyo. they're they're similar in certain ways um their weapons being the first thing <laughs> giant weapons that they throw around I don't know, but he because... you know, obviously. Because it, it's, it, I don't know, because I think I'd rather
2: have the giant spatula than a giant boomerang, because if you throw that, there's always a chance it'll come back and hit you.
1: Oh, no, she's just a great catch. There's no problem there. She's never dropped the hit eye coats.
2: Well. And she's,
1: yeah, well, also you get to ride on a giant demon cat, which well, is pretty you know, bad, too. Well, riding
2: on Kirara, is, it has its benefits, you know, going long distances, and then it, and it's like, it's like the, uh, but it was a compact car, you know. It, it's roomy on the outside, but when it curls back up, it's all cute and fluffy, and you can put it on your shoulder.
1: Exactly. And actually, Kilala looks a lot like my cat. They're, well, uh, you know, not two tails, and she doesn't turn into a giant, like, flaming, you know, thing that you can ride. But uh, she's got a little star on her forehead, just like Keelala does.
2: If we all had hands. a Keelala, I think we'd all be free of this fuel dependency, and there and gas prices would go down, and we'd save the earth.
1: Yeah, but cat litter would get really expensive.
2: Well, no, if if, if if it shoots out like a rainbow, like the neon cat, <laughs> yeah, You know, someone should do that. Someone should take the neon cat and put Kilala in there and have a little fire going behind it, just, go, just going through, uh, going through like the sky, just doing the, the little Neon, 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 uh,
1: That sounds like a job for
2: one of your listeners. Yeah, yes, listeners, make it happen, Kilala. Send cat. it in.
0: We demand to see it.
2: Yes, that's right. Um, Now, uh, do you guys now? Can you tell us anything about whether you guys are working on Inuyasha, the final
0: act?
1: I cannot.
0: Um,
1: And an an astute listener might be able to figure out that it's interesting if I can't talk about it. Um, (laughs) Uh, Well, we know you can't
2: talk about it because you got to keep it. Under wraps. But you gotta drop <laughs> these little hints so that people know that you are not working on Inuyasha the final
0: act. That's
2: right. That's right. And that's all I can say about that. I know that the two people are gonna be replaced in the English dub. I mean, I'm not gonna say who. You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself, fans. I got I don't want this coming after my butt too. <laughs>
1: And well, if you ask me about who those actors are, I could tell you what they're up to, but um, I I don't know too much about the casting of anything really, on any show that I work on until you're in there doing it.
2: I heard Ashish uh, Sharmaroo really in a danger field intent, <laughs> and, and this goes into another another question. What do you think about the argument that that inyasha has way too much filler
1: in it? Oh, I've never heard that
2: argument. Um... Well, apparently a lot of people think that Inuyasha has too many side stories, like Kagome being in the play and, and Moroku, you know, being framed by Hachi or, or I don't know, uh, the two Kilalas or the fake Shikan Jewel Shard, and, and a lot of people are just wanting to see the fight with Naraku, or we get a side story with Kikyo or Shishomaru, or... Or, inuyasha, got that rock stuck to his hand by the three monkeys, which I, that was a funny episode, by the way. (laughs) I enjoyed it because you got three little monkeys, and three little monkeys and anything is funny. So, you guys need to shove about that. But it's just, I
1: think you have to look at it like, um, like a soap opera in a way, and, and, you know, it's a saga and there are a lot of people who can't get enough of it and who are, who were devastated when it ended. So I guess I would remind those people how upset you are when there's no more Inuyash to watch. So the more of it, if you love it, the more of it out that's out there, the better. And that's just kind of the stuff that fleshes out the world that they live in and, you know, the characters that they are and, um, but it definitely makes it tricky, I think, when you're watching a marathon. <laughs> that's a good that's a good month so you gotta commit, I'm sure. I don't know how many hours it works out to being but
2: I tell you you haven't seen the robot chicken sketch where the dad pretends to be into Inuyasha just so he can get his daughter off of T V so she he can watch the hockey game.
1: No, I have not I haven't even heard of that. Oh, YouTube
2: Robot Chicken Inuyasha after this. Seth McFarland, who's the guy who made Family Guy in the Cleveland show and America yep. Dead, he voices his yep, father yep. who becomes obsessed with Inuyasha and it's like a it's like a big middle finger to Inuyasha fans. <laughs> it's like he, Okay, I'll have to check it out. It's it's uh, and, and no, there's no song though so if you were wondering, no, no song. No. Okay. Show it to Richard Cox, man, he will get livid. He'll have a day with
1: that. Oh, knowing Richard, he'll love it. I'm gonna, I'll send it over to him. I'll watch it and send it over to him as a, as right. a prank.
2: Yeah, but you were saying, and it's kind of like a soap opera. I don't know. Days of our Inu doesn't sound really catchy. <laughs> so I
1: think they picked the right title for sure.
2: We'll return to Days of our Inu after this.
1: Yeah.
2: Or Days of our Shikon after this. Now, many fans want to ask, does Sango have feelings for Moroku despite this love-hate relationship? You know, she loves to hate Moroku.
1: Of course she does. Of course she does. I always played it that way, that, you know, I think there were a lot of chances for them to get together early on, and he always blew it. But, uh, yeah, I think she's I think she's in love with them, but she's also not a doormat, so she's not going to truck with no nonsense.
2: I don't I don't know, Kelly, because, I mean, Moroku, you know, he, he's playing the field pretty hard, you know. He, that's some big pippin' right there, you know, because pippin' ain't easy.
1: Well, Sanga likes the bad boys.
2: Uh, oh, oh! Uh, then why, why, why isn't she with Inuyasha? I mean, Kagome just seems to be whining all the time, and I'm She's <laughs> too the-
1: furry, maybe. Maybe she doesn't like that much body hair. I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't delve that deeply into into that side of her character. <laughs> it's just
2: unique how, how, how they play off each other, you know, it, it, especially when, you know, Moroku's you know, stroking the rear end and everything, and that's just, that shocks me, actually, like, whoa. And
1: she falls for it every time. She falls for the sweet romance, and then, then rub, he rub, gets rub. her every time. Yeah. Of course. course he's he a gets, glutton for punishment.
2: Of course, he, he gets his comeuppance with the boomerang to the head or a fist.
1: Which... It, it's true. I think he kind of likes it, though. I think he likes taking a beating once in a while. Well, you know, you got to,
2: ooh, maybe he's into that kind of thing. I I don't know. I
1: I think that's what's going on there between the two of them. I think so. I've never thought about it before, but now that you mention it, there's some definite, um, maybe they're just kinky. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Wow, this show just got really (laughs) Uh, uh, fun. Oh, oh, great. Oh, man, i got a a middle image in my head. Oh, oh.
0: Let's let's, let's push that
2: right right aside Now, you are also the voice of Barbie In several of the popular Barbie movies Which we've had Arnie Roth on Who was the conductor for a lot of the music for those movies What was it like to voice one of America's cultural icons?
1: Uh, Surreal I mean, a dream come true I played Barbie for uh, 10 years And it was amazing I mean, I got to, my name is now listed in the same credits alongside Tim Curry and Angelica Houston and Kelsey Grammer, like really wonderful, Martin Short, amazing actors. Um, just, a, just a phenomenal experience and, and, my, and my ideal in the way that I've never desired to be famous. So I get to play this amazing, iconic character, but walking down the street, no one would ever recognize me, which is perfect. That's That's my ideal world. Um, she's just a, a great character, and, and the way they kind of, the way they wrote her for those ten years I was playing her, it was a pleasure to play her because I think she was a really great role model. Um, you know, Barbie always saved the day. She never relied on the prince to come and save her, and she always tried to see the good in people. It sounds it sounds cheesy, but that's something I really liked about those movies, um, and it's something that parents could have on in the background and not worry about their kids watching. I just think they did a great job, and I really enjoyed really enjoyed playing her.
2: Let's just hope Barbara doesn't pull a Sesame Street YouTube page, if Have you heard about that? Because that that'd be the that the downfall of society if that happened. <laughs> oh boy! But um, I did see a couple movies, not not by choice, not by choice. I, I have a sister. Well, name. it's
1: different if you're not a four-year-old. It's um, you know. They're not quite as uh, probably not quite as engaging for for adults yeah, but to watch over you, and over and over again. I thought you did a pretty good
2: job on, as Barbie, and I I could not watch one of the newer ones, even though they've got Barbie: A Perfect Christmas coming out. I mean, you were in Barbie in a Christmas Carol, and I, I never saw that. Like, like Barbie is Scrooge, I'm like, <laughs> but Barbie is the kind-hearted person. How, how are they going to pull that off?
1: I'm sure they'll find a way. Just, I'm Sure, they'll find a way.
2: But um, you were in Barbie and the Three Musketeers, Barbie. I was, yeah. Uh, Barbie w- w- in a fairy tale, a Barbie, Barbie goes to the moon. I guess It's just so. Many,
1: uh, I mean, <laughs> Nutcracker, Swan Lake, Rapunzel. Yep, Three Musketeers. Uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of the uh, Magic of Pegasus.
2: And of course, it's Christmas time, just right around the corner. A Nutcracker and a Christmas Carol. You know, they're 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 anywhere, folks. Pick them up. Pick them home to your kids. They will love them. And you know it's going to be good because Kelly Sheridan is in it, and Kelly Sheridan does some crackerjack work.
1: Uh, shucks.
2: Well, maybe except for uh, Greenback Jane. Maybe maybe that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Black Buller. Man, that, that show had me going WTF.
0: Yeah,
1: that was a pleasure for all of us in town, too, because, uh, most of the shows were on. We don't get to say some of the stuff that we got to say on Black Lagoon. That was um, that was a fun one.
2: I think, like, in a five-minute spin on a YouTube video, Revy said, said, well, what the hell, fuck about 120 times.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't think I swore too much as Greenback Jane because um, she was just too busy kind of being arrogant. <laughs> you know, I think she, like, probably thought she was above swearing. So I didn't get quite as much fun on that one, but it but it was great in other ways.
2: Hey, when you can make money, man, in, in a sense yeah. you're making money, and your character's making money. In a sense, it's it, it, it's an ironic role. It's like some weird
1: vortex where we feed off of each other. It's amazing. Oh. But I uh, yeah, she was she was she was a lot of fun. Um, and I remember that was a big challenge in the studio too because the that monologue that you played actually in the compilation of stuff that I did at the beginning of the show. I can remember that monologue and I kind of had to do it straight through because there weren't many pauses in the actual animation. So there were big chunks of text and lots of technical kind of stuff. She's talking about the press machine and all that stuff. So i just take a big breath and kind of go and hope that it did. <laughs> and I guess it did, but we got through it, so um but that one was a really fun challenge just because of how it was animated and, and the amount of text I had to say. Yeah, I got
2: lost at uh, press.
1: Yes, I think you're supposed to, because I think everyone else in, you know, she's in a church, I think, when she's talking about that, and they're all sitting around going, like, oh, my God, who is this chick? Like, <laughs> she's just talking and talking and talking.
2: Like, press, in the laser center <laughs> and the Internet, and then, and then after a while, I just went, yeah. it. Yeah. She makes counterfeit yeah. money. That's all I got to know. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, gosh, man. I, That's how I thought doing it. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Techno bull. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I guess I guess she had to be the, the smart aleck because, oh, because, just because, hey, how are you going to print counterfeit money if you don't know how to do it? And I'm like, okay, I don't want the history of counterfeit money. Come on. But I guess <laughs> I guess it was written that way to, you know, irritate Revy and the nuns. and
0: they,
1: they just, Exactly. They point a gun at her. They just... Just shut up. Point a gun at her. And that's the comedy of it. And she's so wrapped up. I mean, she's she's running for her life, but she's so wrapped in wrapped up into how brilliant she is. She's she's actually very arrogant. It's it was a fun it was a fun role to play. That she you know she's kind of completely oblivious oblivious to the danger around her when she's talking about money.
0: Yeah.
1: It's her her true love, I think.
2: Yeah, it's all about the money.
1: <laughs> money, money, money,
0: money, money, money.
2: Okay, so we move on from you know from anime, and, we're, and we and we now dive into shows like Martin Mystery, which I, I I said I thought was actually pretty good. You played Diana Lombard, who's Martin's yep. stepsister. What was it like working on Martin Mystery, and how did it differ from working on an anime to working on this you know American like style cartoon that had a couple aspects of anime in them?
1: Well, with anime when you're recording anime, it's just you in the studio, so you're not working off of other actors. I mean sometimes you can hear what they've recorded if they've come in before you, but you're not playing immediately in the room with these other actors. So with Martin, which we recorded before they animated it, all of us were in the studio um and Sam and I kind of probably had the most to say to each other, Sam Vincent, who played Martin, and actually Billy, he played Billy also. Uh, and it was just a blast. It was really fun. I think they purposely cast the two of us to play opposite each other because we have a really good rapport and we were great at this kind of back and forth, frenetic, crazy thing that they wanted. Um, and they, and they, the pace was always a really big thing with that show because they wanted to. Animated it like an anime show, so they wanted it to be fast and really crazy, and that was what we had to do in the studio so we 're actually going at that speed that you hear that you hear in the show and then they also had us record a whole bunch of miscellaneous they call it a Walla library, which they do for most shows, which is just a bunch of miscellaneous sounds like a bunch of laughs and gasps and things like that that they can insert where they need it. But we did a massive Walla library for Martin Mystery because they knew they were going to and they made all this extra stuff that didn't have dialogue, all this weird, you know, things, where they suddenly turn into something two feet tall, and he's rolling around on the ground laughing and crying. And they needed a bunch of just miscellaneous weird noise to be able to stick into anything that they decided to do off the cuff.
2: I liked Martin Mystery, because not only did you have Samuel Vincent in there, who people best know as Double D from Ed, Ed and Eddie, which is probably one of the best shows of all time, but you also yeah. had a giant caveman. I mean, yeah. Yes, Java, Java. Man, that was awesome. What shows yeah. have cavemen working in cafeterias? Not many. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that much, but to have one of these shows that is emulating anime but with an American feel to it. it not many shows do that. I believe only a few like like um Totally Spies and
1: Yep, yeah, which Mar- is another marathon show. Yeah, Marathon's great at that. They really have that style down for sure. And it's successful. People people like it because it's really fun to watch.
2: It's always weird though because the um, the show's in in, in in Torrington and that's uh, in Sherbrooke, Quebec, and people are like they're they're on their Google going, "Where is Torrington Academy? Mm-hmm. Does it exist? <laughs> where where <laughs> is the center? I do not know." And actually, for those who don't know, Martin Mystery was based on an Italian comic called Martin Mistere.
1: I do know that. He wasn't a kid in the comic, though, was he? Was he?
2: I do not know. Let me check, let me check was it out. He
1: older in the comic. Uh,
2: let's see. I
1: remember doing my research when I first got it, and now, of course, I'm getting old, and it's gone out of my head, but... Uh, it, it was actually based yeah.
2: in New York City, and he is a art historian, archaeologist, anthropologist, adventurer, writer, television producer, and a collector of unusual objects.
1: Yeah, they took some creative license for the show, for sure, because I don't think he was a teenager in the... Um, in the comics, so this way they could have him get into all sorts of scrapes with girls, he was kind of goofy, and um, yeah, only it was an the, excuse to have...
2: In the comic, uh, Diana was the his longtime fiancée, later his wife.
1: That's right, that's right, yeah.
2: And she's a social worker, angry with Martin because he often travels without noticing earlier and surrounded by beautiful women. It's like, it's like it's like it's like the comic incarnation of Moroku. <laughs> man, that follows you like 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 a lost puppy. Man, yeah, can't get rid of him. Oh, oh but it, yeah, but it, it still seems like like you've had an extensive amount of work. And um, and before we get into our listener questions, I I, I got to ask you about this. Now you're on this show, and it's called Hero One Hundred and Eight.
1: Yes, on yeah. Cartoon Network.
2: Yes, and you are Mystique Sonia, or as they say, Hero 003.
1: Oh, I didn't know that was her number. <laughs> Is I, it? I think it
2: was 003. I was, I was doing some That's
1: research. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, I wonder who was 002 and 001. For those who probably don't know, 001 was me. I don't know. Oh. But I, I don't know. I I haven't got any powers. I mean, I can't. You know, grow like a five-foot tongue, and I actually have a joke about that, and it's not anything dirty, but the joke is that if Mystique Sonia French kissed you, she could rip your pelvis right out of your throat. <laughs> You'd be in traction for a year if she kissed you.
1: <laughs> that might be a suggestion for season three. You can send it over to them, see um oh. So so what was it like working
2: on that show? It's a unique style of animation and a unique story where humans and animals are enemies. And they're fighting each other, and there are these heroes that ride on turtle tanks. Turtle tanks, which is awesome, by the way. And they're trying to uh, unite the animal kingdoms and the people kingdoms into this thing called big Green, which just sounds like yes, a and of- big
1: green is the is the land that they live in, and they're not necessarily enemies with the animals. oftentimes the animals are deceived or cast under an evil spell um, and they have to battle the animals and then they usually win them over in some way, and then the animals join big green, so they accumulate these animal um friends. And so every episode is a different animal. They have, like, Tiger King and Lizard Queen and all these different, and there's always, like, one boss of the animals. So you go and you fight the tigers, and there's one big Tiger King. And it's just it's action-packed. I knew that it was going to be a success the minute I read it because I thought, I don't get this at all. (laughs) This is made, this is obviously something that's made, like, for kids because I don't get it. And lo and behold, uh, it's a success, and people love it. So they're doing their job. It's aimed at, well, I'm not exactly sure who it's aimed at, but I know a couple of 9- and 10-year-old boys who are gaga over this show, who love it. It's a lot of fun to record. Um, I'm the only girl on the show, which is a frequent thing with animation. There's usually on these kind of, we call them boy shows, like um, Transformers or something. There's all these parts for guys, and there's like one girl, and every girl in town dukes it out over this one part. So all of the parts are played by Ian Corlett, uh, Brian Drummond, um, Adrian Petru, Andrew Francis, um, Scott McNeil, and they play a bunch of different characters in the show. So it's just this, uh, just this madhouse in the studio. It gets really, really, really silly with lots of pranks and hijinks, but uh, but it's a lot of fun. I mean that's a great show to work on. Cindy Akers Robinson is the voice director on that, and she does a good job at corralling the energy.
2: <laughs> well, whoever made that, you know, I, what you said about, you know, it, it doesn't make sense, so it must be popular. I believe that is what the guy that made Pokemon said, and
1: now look at it, yeah. He's
2: laughing to the bank.
1: It's just wacky, and kids respond to that. I mean, it makes sense. There's stories, and there's a moral, and you know, there's beginning, and middle, and end, but. But there's like there's just goofy stuff happens. Like she, she uh, Mystique Sonia can spit and they turn into these magic buns that they all eat and love. Like there's just weird, weird stuff that happens. They all have crazy powers, you know, Mighty Ray that lightning bolts out of his eyeballs. It, it's just bananas.
2: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I actually try to watch an episode... But I, I gotta have like some Nyquil to to make any sense because I mean you got a guy who paints and he shoots blow darts out of his out of his brush, then you got a, a a ghost bunny whose ears yes. fold over to like a like a little ninja mask, and then you got yeah. that one guy he has a human head but he's got some kind of bird body. I'm like, what the? F-? I'm like, yeah. Someone was on some Nyquil or something when they were coming <laughs> up with these concepts.
1: I believe they're they're based on a video game. That's what I was told. Um, that explains some of the crazy powers and the really, really imaginative animation because they were they were video game characters, uh, and yeah. still are. I'm assuming.
2: Wow. <laughs> oh boy, you know I think <laughs> I think these video games getting their own cartoons. I think that's going to be the death. And I just found out it's got an app for iPhone. Oh! So now you can play Hero 108 on your iPhone, and I'm like... Yes, we have played it in the
1: studio while we were recording.
2: (laughs) It actually makes me wonder, what if you took Hero 108, the game, and you put them head-on-head-on with the Angry Birds? I don't know.
1: Well, that's...
2: Oh boy, that'd be um pretty That's, crazy. That
1: sounds like something that has to be televised and people take bets on it.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, angry angry birds.
1: How many of the heroes can the yellow bird hit?
2: How many can the yeah. black bomb bird blow up? <laughs> okay, Kelly, we're gonna take a quick commercial break and get ready for some listener questions. You guys are listening to the Dennis Daniel Show. <laughs> When well, I'm saving the world with the power of my Ultimate me, Kevin, and Gwen like to listen to BearcastRadio.com. It's the All Taste Explosion with the Boogaloo Shrimp, featuring John Pokemon and the Dennis Daniels Show. It's Hero Time! Back here on the Dennis Daniel Show, we have got voice actress Kelly Sheridan on the air. Are you ready, Kelly? Ready. Okay. Our first question is actually a voice request, and it comes from Cedric Smith. Would you say you dumbass in Ukio's voice? <laughs> you
1: ready, Cedric? Is that who this is for? Yes, it is. You
2: dumbass,
1: wait, wait, Cedric. Wait, oh, okay. Because I was like, What did I do?
2: It's <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure he really appreciates that. I, we were talking earlier today, and he's a big fan of Rama. He loves Ukiyo, and, and 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 he feels that she's getting a raw deal with all this Rama running around.
1: I think she does. I think she just, she just settled down with a different nice boy, don't you think? She could have just made him okonomiyaki all day and happy. But, again, I play the girls that always want the – always. They're always searching for the unattainable
2: fella. Yeah, but she should have just taken her uh, restaurant, invest some money into it, and make it the next big Starbucks.
1: Yeah, I think she could have definitely um, franchised that stuff, no problem.
2: I mean, we got we got the commercial. We got the commercial right now. All you got to do, a chain yeah. of Ukiyo Koji Okinama restaurants. Man, that would be the everywhere, everywhere. New York City, you see one, boom, look down the street, another one. And when you stand between them, time stops. That's actually <laughs> the theory behind Starbucks. When you stand between two Starbucks, time actually stops.
1: You know, here in Vancouver, there's, um, there's a corner where there are two Starbucks that are kitty-corner to each other. So you just have to cross the street and then cross the street the other way, and you're at another one. We are, um, I think, next to Seattle, we probably have the most Starbucks of anywhere per capita in the world. It's, it's ridiculous.
2: I wonder what an Ukimaki Starbucks coffee would taste like. Mm. Challenge accepted. Salty. Well, <laughs> uh, well, you got to have some salt, you know. Again, you know, not too much salt, <laughs> raise the blood pressure and whatnot. Yeah, okay. yeah. From Zoids King eighty nine, I have a two part question. Here in the U S., everyone talks about Inuyasha, Martin Mystery, and X Men Revolution, which everyone knows that you play Scarlet Witch. Yes. Ugh, I wouldn't want to cross her in a dark alley. Ugh.
1: No, she's scary.
2: But my very personal favorite was your role playing the trigger happy Lena Taros in Zoids New yeah. Century Zero, Part One. Overall, how did Zoids compare with your other more popular roles? And Part Two, if more episodes were to be dubbed in English, would you consider playing a role for that series?
1: Uh, well, first of all. How did it differ from playing other parts? Well, I mean, obviously the character's different. The neat thing about Soids, actually, is oftentimes we were allowed to do a bit of improv, because there'd be, um, say, for example, the end of the show, she's fighting, and we'd have to make up a whole bunch of dialogue at the end of the show for them to fade out on. So that was really fun. That was one of the first shows I did with James Corrigal, who's a fantastic director in town, who, who um, I've worked on a bunch of other stuff. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what was the other question? If
2: they considered doing another series or more episodes to be added in English, would you consider playing a role for the series? Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Of course. No, i got to pay my bills, man. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> got to pay the bills by riding with lions and mechanical drills.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that was, so that was cool a really show. fun show.
2: Because cause there are these kids, and they're piloting – Mechanical what, lions?
1: Uh a bunch of different animals, but yeah, um ligers. <laughs> and the sad part and was they, they never
2: transformed into a megazord.
1: It, no, unfortunately. Yeah, and they'd and they'd uh, get into these battles and matches and, and fight each other. And then there was you know, it was a subplot of them, training and 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 you know. It was it was a lot of fun, that show.
0: Yeah.
2: Our next question is from Callie. This is kind of an odd one, but I have a question for point! What was it like to have switch roles from Barbie to Sanko? I remember being young and watching Barbie and the Nutcracker, then growing a little and watching Inuyasha, then nearly having a heart attack out of surprise that Barbie (laughs) had the same voice as my favorite Demon Slaying character in my very first anime. So I'm curious to know how you switch between roles and how you prepare for each role. Thanks!
1: well you're um you know you're not doing both roles in one day or at the same time which is which is handy, but uh that's just the life of an actor is you you don't really play one thing for too long i mean in those cases, I guess I did I played Barbie for ten years and Sango for ten years and Ukyo for ten years but but um but I'm not recording all the time, you know we'd do one session for two days or so, and then i wouldn't do you know wouldn't do anything else for another two months and you're doing other stuff in between. That's just kind of um, the life of an actor is you get in the mindset of what you're doing that day and you go in and you do it and then you kind of leave it at work. Um, yeah, I'm not a big method actor where I have to like really, ooh, concentrate to get into the role or anything like that. I just go in and have fun and do it. And uh, Every character is an extension of myself, a little bit, in a way, and I'm always me, so that makes it easy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, kick ass as the demon slayer. But you're not too method that you cannot play a princess that teaches us all a little bit about accepting people from inside our hearts.
1: That's right. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with having good directors, too. You know, they, they'll often guide you in the right direction. You know, there are a lot of actors who um, – I'm not this type of actor, but someone like, say, Scott McNeilis, where he'll play five different characters in one show, and he's flipping back and forth between one thing to another. And that is – that's a mind meld. I can't wrap my head around doing something like that. Um a lot of actors end up just recording that stuff separately. You know, they'll record one, one character, and then they'll go back and record the next one all in one show. And sometimes you're talking to yourself, which is just not ours.
2: Uh, but, uh, I don't know, uh, I, do, I do That's it
1: a real skill. I do it frequently. <laughs> now I, your next step is to get paid to
2: do it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> or to make him, make the voices stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry, Veronica Taylor said the same thing about us. But I'll tell you what, Scott Neal's crazy. But then again, he's got that crazy cowboy voice going around talking like this, mutt face.
1: Yes, yeah,
2: that's Scotty. Oh, Scotty. I'll tell you what, Sky's a class act, and he's always wearing that cowboy hat, even though he's not a cowboy.
1: And you know what? He's like that when you meet him in person. I know he dresses like that for cons, but that is him, like, that guy at the cons, that's the guy in the studio. He's exactly that guy.
2: <laughs> oh, I've got quite the story of meeting Scott McNeil, and I, I would like to share it with everyone. Okay, so it was Ohio Con about, you know, five, six years ago, and I'm, and I, of course I cosplayed back then. I was uh, Inuyasha cosplaying Koga, and I'm walking around, and I see Scott McNeil doing this interview, so I go over to watch. And he looks over at me, and he goes, Why are you Inuyasha cosplaying Koga? And then I go as Yasha, I'm trying to prove that anyone can be a stinking wolf. <laughs> and then everyone goes, oh. And then Scott starts acting like he's crying. He's like, "You're dead, man. You're dead." <laughs> oh, Scott! I, I'll tell you what. He is one of my. He, he's got to be one of the most fun people to work with as a voice actor. He's just. He's just so. He's just so. He can you know do all these crazy characters like. Like Professor Crazy Hair from Yakity Yak, but still be able to do these serious roles, like uh, Wolverine in X Men Evolution.
1: Yeah, he's got enormous range. Uh, I don't know where I don't know where he finds it. He he comes out with a lot of uh, just stu- yeah stuff that I would never be able to do. He's uh, he's pretty pretty amazing to watch. Oh. Um and he has a massive love affair with the microphone. If you're in the studio with him, Scott is like. His nose is pressed up against the microphone, and he's kind of kind of got his hands wrapped around it. It's like he's making out with the microphone, <laughs> but um, I guess that works for him because he obviously does really well. But he's he's funny to watch. We we tease him. We he gets a lot of teasing in the studio, but but he's always a good sport
0: about oh, it. Oh oh
2: yeah. Well, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, then what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay, and um Callie actually had a, a a part two to that. Um would you say as Sango, hit I coats? And let me give you, Are you ready? One. This is gonna be big. Hang on, hang on. Give me she one. was she give was me. yelled when she throws it. Give me one second, hang on, one second. All right, all right, I'll go I'll go quiet for like one second and then you can do it. Okay. Here I coach one second. hang on.
0: That boomerang the soundproof glass! Oh my god! Oh, no! Oh! Saga, oh, no. what did you do? You just. You just threw the boomerang through a $900 soundproof glass window! Oh my god!
2: Blame your listener, she asked for it. But, but, I just got done putting off Zimmer Hall when Gohan blew it up! How am I gonna afford a $900 soundproof window? <laughs> what, what am I gonna tell Doctor Owens? Oh, oh, hey, Doctor Owens, uh, the, the broken window? Oh, funeral era, Demon Slayer broke it. Uh, uh, Aflac covers that, right? Uh, um, State Farm covers that, right? Oh uh, uh, I'm f- clean up on aisle five. <laughs> I know, I Sorry know that. Sorry about that one. I know that was a. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that that's why we're one of the best shows out there.
1: It's funny, I mentioned that girl at that I met at the con who was dressed up as Sango and I signed I always sign when I sign Sango stuff I sign Kelly Sheridan and then underneath I put hit eye coats, and I s you know I spell it out with an exclamation marks. And this kid's parents went, What does that mean? What does that is that what is that? So then I had to explain that. I said, Well I see she's got this room and, that and that's its name and she always yells it when she when she throws it. Oh, okay. I think they were sure that I was writing something inappropriate on their on their kids' poster.
2: I'm trying to figure out what kotsu means, but all, all I'm getting to you is how do you make your kotsu And I don't want to make one. I want to learn how it.
1: <laughs> I was told it's the it's the name of the boomerang, but I don't know if it's if it actually means something in Japanese or if it's just a name they made up. I I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think kotsu sounds a little more classier than big ass boomerang of demon death.
1: Probably. so. That's a lot to say when you're throwing it. By that time, an enemy knows it's coming, and then they are able to stop your attack. It's just not practical.
2: Well, I just want to know, why does everyone got to shout their attack? I mean, Maroku's got to shout Wind Tunnel, mm-hmm. and he's got to shout Wind Scar, or Adamant Barrage, or Iron Reaver Soul Stealer. If they hear the first few syllables of that, I think they are going to know <laughs> what's going to come next. It's part of the magic, Dennis. Get with it. Well, you, you you don't see me shouting "Radio Attack" and then screaming into the microphone. Well, maybe you should start. I don't know because if I started doing that, I, I think a lot of my listeners would go deaf. Oh
1: yeah, I guess. And then you're out of listeners, and you're right. You're yeah, right. I'm up this up better Street
2: without a paddle, and that's not where <laughs> I want to be right now. Now, our next question is from Rin Anime God. Do you, by chance, have a a favorite role that you've
1: done? Oh, that changes by the minute. Uh, I've been lucky to play so many amazing characters. Um, It's kind of fun. I'm at the point in my career where I'm not just getting cast as the kind of young girl voice. I'm able to do, you know, I'm getting cast as some moms and some stuff with accents and some really, like, wacky, cartoony stuff. So that's actually been... I mean, I can't say I've had a favorite role, because a lot of them are just really great. But uh, but it is fun now to be able to be playing stuff that's more diverse, which is exciting. I know that doesn't really answer the question, but I can't pick a favorite. They're all so great.
0: I don't know. Awesome.
2: Hitomi Kanazaki from Escaflowne was pretty good.
1: Yeah, uh, Hitomi was uh, was wonderful to play. That was another one. That I auditioned for And had no idea How big it was uh, It's really good That I'm ignorant Of this kind of stuff Because it would just Completely psych me out When I go in For the audition
2: well, it's important Because if you know What you're going to expect Then you can't Give it that element Of surprise When you audition Because if you don't have That element of surprise In a lot of cases You won't be able to give Your 100% performance You've got to be able to Think on your feet Bite the bullet You know Dance with the devil And you have to yeah. be able To give this Awesome performance, because if you know what you're expecting, then you're not going to give the most stellar performance. On the spot is the way to go, Kelly.
1: Well, I think if you're trying to play to the expectations of, ooh, this character is famous, that you can't really play that. You can't really play, I'm going to, you can't really, that's not something to dig into. So you play the character. You play the character's situation. You play You play all that stuff. Um but you can't really worry about whether people are going to like it or not or whether you're going to meet their expectations because you you just can't. You just have to do, you know, you you just end up screwing yourself over that way. And I'm sure there are people that don't like certain things I've done, and that's okay. They're allowed to not like it. I just I can't please everybody. But um, it definitely helps to go in blind to those expectations and just do what you're going to do.
2: Hey, you look at those voice acting roles, and you go, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. That's right. You voice a girl with a spatula and a girl with a giant boomerang, so what, what you got to be afraid of? Nothing. <laughs> Are there any new series that you're currently working on that you can tell us
1: about? Uh, well, I, we did a second season of Hero 108, which we talked about, which is really fun. And I'm working on a show called Wreck-It Rabbit, which airs... I don't think it airs in the States or in Canada. I haven't been able to find it, but it airs on the Disney Channel in Europe. There might be some way to watch it online. I'm not sure, but that one's really fun. That's another marathon show, um, or with some of the people from Marathon. And it's about a giant magician's bunny. He's like a six-foot-tall bunny, a rabbit, I should say. And his... His human best friend, Jay, who's a who's a kid, and they get into all sorts of scrapes together because Wreck-It has magical powers, but they always go awry. So something happens in the beginning of the episode, and it's a disaster, and they have to resolve it. And so I played Jay's mom on that show, Jay's the kid, and he has a mom and a stepdad named Morn. So I'm working on that show, which is a lot of fun, and... Um, Those are the only things I can talk about. Unfortunately, they often make us sign a lot of non-disclosure agreements where there are shows that I really, really want to brag about and talk about because they're super exciting, but I have to wait until they come out to be able to talk about them.
2: In other words, you know nothing.
1: I know nothing.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's not like we can't talk about Inuyasha, the final act, (laughs) because we cannot say that. Kelly Sheridan is in Inuyasha, the final act. People who are saying Kelly Sheridan is in Inuyasha, the final act, should stop saying it. And if you have any evidence that Kelly Sheridan is in Inuyasha, the final act, you should go to your police because that has got to be an obscure lie. Subtle as a screen door in a submarine. That's what we're all about.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, not, I'm not saying a word.
2: Well, of course you can't say a word about it. I'm going to stop. That joke's getting old right now. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you've answered this already, but what character do you think you resemble the most personality-wise?
1: Well, like I said, they're all a little bit of me in some way or, or another. Um, but I'd say I'm probably a lot like Diana Lombard in a way. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of in a retentive. And I'm a little bossy. Uh, I think I probably have a better sense of humor than she is. I'm a little looser, but um, but I, I'm probably quite a bit like Dia- Diana in certain ways. And there's a little, there's a little bit of them in all of me. I'm sure. A little bit of all of them in me. I like, I like the
2: smart, booky girl one. I like, I like that. You know, that that way you, you at least know she'll she be serious with you and not be a complete... Even though at times she can be a bit of a... You
1: know. <laughs> I think Diana would loosen up and have a lot more fun. She wasn't always looking out for Martin. She keeps her on her toes. She's always chasing around, and that, that stresses her out. If she could just read her books and do her nerdy school stuff, I think she'd be a lot more fun um, because she wouldn't always be chasing him around. But secretly, I think she kind of likes it, too. I think she likes... Um,
2: she so likes being the adult in the like young
1: group. Backing them up, yeah,
2: for sure. Well, when you got a guy that has the powers of that freaking watch, you know, yeah, that's like giving mm-hmm. that's like giving a monkey a machete. You got to be careful on how he mis- misabuses that thing.
1: Here's a fun tidbit: Terrell Rothy, who played Mom on that show, also played the voice of the watch.
2: Man, if I had a watch like that, it'd be game over. I mean, you yeah, could shoot out too. maps and Legend Xs and goggles and I think a grappling hook. It's, it, forget that James Bond stuff. Give me a give me a center watch any day of the week.
1: Diana never got one of those.
2: Yeah, well, well, I, well I, I can understand why Java never got one. The guy's pretty scared of fire, so <laughs> eh, that's understandable. But Diana not getting one, that's just, uh, you know, brains can only take you so far.
1: Dale Wilson had a sweet had a sweet job on that show because uh, Java didn't say much. So Dale would Dale, who played Java, would um, would like sit there and you know watch us all do our thing, and then he'd stand up and say his two syllables as Java, and then he'd sit back down and wait for us to you know <laughs> carry on and talk a mile a minute, and he'd stand up and say his next thing. It's Job
2: is known for his brevity. If he got if he got paid the same, <laughs> I can only imagine him going
0: a witch bitch.
2: <laughs> that that would I I I am sorry I'm, I'm ruining. This. <laughs> I am so sorry. That is that is just hilarious. Do you know if you're going to be appearing at any conventions near the end of, of December or in the new 2012?
1: I won't be appearing in anything this year. I've been invited to Anime Revolution, which is here in Vancouver, next year. And it's in August, though, so I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to attend. But if anyone would like to see me at a con, then write the organizers and, and let them know. I can't go to everything, but um, but I definitely consider all the invitations I get. Sometimes it's just hard to get away from work, which is the irony, I guess. But, yeah, anyone in London or Hawaii or New York who'd like me to come to a con there, I'm totally game.
2: <laughs> Kelly, when you kick as much ass as you do with voice acting, you know, sometimes you got to make those sacrifices. It's like Ben Parker once said, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And, and you've got this great power of voice, but along with come this responsibility of staying committed to doing those voices, even when, you know, you can't interact with your fans. But luckily, you have outlets like this and The Dennis Daniels Show that you can actually talk to your fans and let them know that you appreciate and you can share your your love for them and for all the works you do. Our final question is, do you have anything you like to say to your fans?
1: It sounds corny, but I wouldn't have a job if people didn't watch the shows that I'm on. So... I'm incredibly grateful for that, and I get lots of really wonderful letters and emails from people that have watched stuff. It sometimes makes me feel old because there are people that have said, "Oh yeah, I started watching Barbie when I was a kid, and now I watch Inuyasha." And to think that there are people that have been watching stuff since they were little is pretty, pretty incredible. Um, so I love hearing from fans.
2: Hey, hey you got one right here. Inuyasha since 2004. Awesome. Seven years. I've been rocking in the Asha. So.
1: Other than that, I would just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for for watching the shows and for sending your letters and for joining my Facebook page and and posting pictures of you guys dressed up in outfits and pictures that you've drawn and all of that stuff is uh it it must not seem like it to them sometimes because they send this thing out into the ether and don't know if I've seen it or. But I but I do get all the mail that's sent, and I and I appreciate I read and appreciate every last little bit of it that I get. So, thanks, guys.
2: So you do have a Facebook page?
1: I do. It's um, oh shoot, what's my handle? I'm sure if you just Google Kelly Sheridan on Facebook, it pops up. My little icons there.
2: We'll put a link to your Facebook page on the All Taste Explosion website at com.
1: Perfect, and I'm on Twitter too, Kay Sheridan voice.
2: Okay, folks. Well. You know, we're going to have to wrap it up here for the Dennis Daniels Show. I want to thank Kelly. thank you so much for being on the show. It was truly a huge honor, and I hope you still keep kicking asses, Sango, and (laughs) Gail. Thank you for having me. All the future roles that are coming. Um, 2011 has been a kick-ass year, but I can guarantee you guys this – 2012 is going to even blow it even further out of the water because Dennis Daniel Show gives you what you want. Kelly, again, thank you so much, and we're going to see you guys down the road. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Good night, everybody.